0: system i find you in the search and moving are great and being another this time system is everywhere you
1: go theme song that's it that's the theme song that
0: the silence that is a Technically a theme song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes a parent's, you know, best moments is just silence. True. That's true. How are you doing, PJ?
0: Doing all right, man. Doing all right. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm I'm very excited about this uh, upcoming conversation because I feel we might have similar points of view, but I think just to keep it interesting, I'm going to play the other. Uh, side of the coin, so uh, wanted to talk about tooling and uh, how that relates to design systems, internal tooling, external tooling, third party, however you may call it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a fun topic, pretty relevant to today's world.
1: Yeah, so like we're recording this uh, in. Uh, the week of Thanksgiving, uh, there's uh, a bunch of uh, funny business popping off on OpenAI, and with that funny business, uh, with shareholders and with uh, people that pay for the service, I assume, uh, are they're, they're freaking out because like they they put their eggs in this basket, which is an external service uh, to do a lot of their like LLM work, and when you pay for a service or when you rely on an external vendor to do things. There's uh, uptime uh, issues, and like a, a really easy example that we may not be able to avoid is Figma. Uh, something that we use every day, maybe even Google uh, Google services. Right, we rely on those every day to to do our work. And there are times where it goes it goes down. They announce it. If you are a large company, <laughs> like the ones that we work at, uh, Meta uh, specifically, we may decide to build our own design tooling, and uh, which we did. We there is a design tool called Proton that was uh, pre-Figma. And we own that. Uh, we own the code. We can manipulate it however we want. We could build on top of it. Uh, we also uh, have our own uh, instances of like, Writing tools. Uh, I would say, like, we have our own version of Medium. We have our own version of Facebook uh, that's called Workplace. Uh, we have our own uh, calendar uh, tooling. So, at our scale, we've been able to build our own toolings because we didn't want to F with uh, downtime issues. But uh, I think that's uh, probably something that is less prevalent with uh, small to medium sized companies. I think
0: we all gravitate towards bigger companies having the latitude of being able to make their own tool. And I think for the most part that checks out. However, I would say that smaller companies can also do that. It's not at the same scale of, Hey, we're going to make our own friggin' design tool, but there's still the opportunity to take on smaller things on your own. And, and given that you have a smaller group of people using it because it's a smaller company, it, it can, it can be more focused. It doesn't need to be as polished. It doesn't need to be as ready to use out the gate with no support or documentation, things of that nature, just due to the fact that you can, you know, have a conversation and get someone up to speed really quickly. It doesn't need to have all the things necessary to scale. But there is value in creating your own tools because it, it is literally created by you. So it can be whatever it needs to be and solve exactly the problems that you need. No questions asked, no compromises. And that is that is really valuable.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking just um, one one example would be um, just metrics-based tooling. So uh, for instance, uh, at Pinterest, your team had built uh, your own tool to track, track adoption and at Meta, we have something that's very similar. Those are two uh, internal-based tools. The Pinterest was open source. The Meta one, of course, is not <laughs> open source. But then there's companies like Zeppelin that have a service called the Omelette. And I would say like if if I were a company, like we were at Disney Streaming that had an account, I would for sure adopt this because uh, it's something that is already built, uh, most likely vetted by a lot of larger companies and within the suite of tools that, uh, I think would work for us, uh, within, within Figma and something that we don't have to, to think about, uh, something that uh, has a customer uh, support team tied to it and something that will, um, hopefully continuously evolve over time uh, as the, our design tooling has changed. But we, we had a little bit of discussion, uh, before this conversation, I would say, uh, the flip side is like, as a larger company, like there's, uh, tons and tons of infosec uh, concerns and just issues with uh, procurement and um that that in itself like i remember when we had um at disney streaming t- started talking about like how do we stand up a a doc site like i think the easiest way is to build your own like i think pj could build it within days possibly right like not not too difficult your
0: basic your most basic of documentation sure
1: yeah, yeah. Like you don't, you don't need much. And but I, I think um, our interest was to find a tool that linked and uh, was able to embed uh, Figma frames. So um, I, I think Hulu had started using a tool called Frontify. Uh, we had started dabbling in Envision Design System Manager.
0: Well, well that, there's your problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we also got uh, zero height, um, but. Through the whole procurement process, it took—I would say—for Zero Height, it took over six months. Like we could have definitely utilized a portion of that six months to build an internal uh, gated tool that worked for most cases.
0: Procurement is no joke. It cracks me up because a lot of the procurement process is worrying about data security uh, and how much these tools, how much data they collect. Which does make me laugh, given uh, how much data many social media companies are trying to extract out of customers. And then all of a sudden, the pearls get clutched as soon as another company is trying to extract data. That's another topic for another time. Um, but but procurement will take a lot of time. It will take a lot of uh, figurative paperwork filing. You know, If it's anything like our experiences and where we landed is it was faster for us just to build the damn thing. And less costly as well, because because now we weren't including procurement and taking them away from other work. You just act on it, execute, and get the thing done much more quickly. So there is a value to that. I think you know the downside, obviously, is now you're on the hook to maintain it, but you also have controls to where it goes. I think there's typically an assumption that kind of the Roddenberry mantra of things get better over time and and progress is positive. I don't know if I buy into that. I've seen plenty of tools degenerate into a pool of mess over time and not support the needs that you got it in the, you know, that you procured it in the first place. And because they're you know chasing revenue or you know, the company's pivoted and you're just not a part of that equation. The value of a tool is it can just be what it needs to be. And that's that. No upsells, no, you know, no newfangled features, no tangents into areas that you could care less about just it just does the thing and that's what i love about being able to make your own tools is is having it just be a very clean relationship between uh the tool
1: and the user yeah the infosec thing is is crazy so i think the the procurement and the infosec issues may be more of a medium or large size company hurdle like if you are a small company a solo designer or a startup you may have more latitude obviously to adopt tooling and I would say in, in that case it's the, I, would, I would flip it and I would say instead of worrying about building this thing, just pay for the thing that will get this done as, as fast as possible and worry about it <laughs> worry about it later, right um, If you're a team of two or if you're maybe a, in, in total if you are maybe even a design team of product design team of 10 with maybe 10 to 20 engineers, you're you're gonna be extremely resource constrained and you're gonna be looking for tools or maybe open source projects that that support this. So the open source thing was another interesting thing in my mind because the the design system adoption tool that you had contributed to at Pinterest was was open source. And at Meta, we uh, my team had utilized an open source uh, plugin that is a plugin that Converts uh, React components into Figma components, and there there was some mm-hmm. um, allowances to to work on that. So I think that's that's another sort of like area that I think I wish we talked more about uh, as a design system community. But it seems like a lot of the design system knowledge overall is kept very much like uh, in, uh, in 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 tight grips, so to speak.
0: If I was gonna trust a tool, it, I would trust it more if it was open source. Than I would a, a private tool specifically because you can clone the repo and it can set in stone for what you need it to be. And if it decides to go in another direction, fine. As long as it's working for you, you have uh, you have your own instance of it. You also can assess the code base and you know are there any shenanigans occurring? You can you can check for things like that, or at least have an engineer check for it. It's harder when it's a plugin that you install from Figma. And what is it? You know, what is it sending? I guess you could open up the the console and try to check for network traffic. But even still, um, it's just a lot of it's extra overhead. So I'm a big fan of open source. I always have been. I wish there were more open source tools available for the design system space. I think documentation is a clear area uh, where there are options. Just because there are plenty of open source documentation solutions in general, and and that is, I don't think there needs to be super special solutions for design systems at the end of the day it's it's kind of trying to communicate the same thing that many other software projects are communicating
1: I think the notion of open source also uh, with giving back to the community I think is very very interesting so uh, Token Studio for instance is uh, a plugin or now now a tool with an interface that you could uh, use to manipulate uh, tokens in, inside Figma and Pinpot as well another design app and it looks like uh, with all intents and purposes, they're they're open source. Uh, you're able to uh, utilize their service. You could. Uh, there's a paid tier. Uh, there's also an ability for you just to clone the repo and just go buck wild.
0: Good on them. That's great because boy, do we need more of that in the industry. So I haven't played with Token Studio. I've heard a ton about it, but I just haven't had a chance to play with it. But but good on them for making it open source
1: yeah extremely extremely robust I would say the the thinking there is very uh, leading and I, I, just to compare some of the functionality in token studio to figma variables I think it's like they're', they're light and day like ahead forward thinking and uh, yeah I'm looking I'm just looking at their their github right now uh, another tool uh, that I think is awesome and that is also open source style dictionary uh, so that was uh Built from Danny Banks out of Amazon, and they were able to open source that. And boy, like if you if you're able to utilize style dictionary and not have to build that yourself, that that's another like a key key win. And
0: those I think are the I think that's what those are the sort of things that will help elevate the practice. Widely available, reliable tools will will be i mean think about the internet and just the the protocols that that you know were were available to anyone to build on top of and how that launched uh launched the internet i mean the same thing for design systems it's it, it can be hard to make the case for open source and it's in many regards you know from a business standpoint it oftentimes it doesn't make sense other than visibility but lordy the practice could sure use it and if there's any way to to find a way to sneak it into your project that is uh it sure would be nice for other folks in the
1: practice yeah like uh, it, someday i'll talk to uh danny banks about the <laughs> a decision i guess to make it open source i would imagine coming from amazon it wasn't an easy conversation to have like i would want to keep that information like locked down like in-house but it's, it's also, uh, um, I would say from a design community standpoint, it's something that puts you, uh, as a leader, it puts you like in, in the spotlight, uh, as a, as a contributor and someone that, um, puts you into a, a space where it shows that, uh, you care about fostering, uh, the community itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and you know, if you run it, if you run it in the right way, you're getting theoretically, you're getting contributions back. So so it's if you're getting quality contributions back to the code base, that is a value because now you're not the only one on the hook to continue to mature this tool. It's just that is work in and of itself because now you have to you have to maintain you know you have to go through prs you have to you have to set guidelines for what kind of contributions you take uh you have to work through those those prs so there is work associated with it but you know in theory it's it's everyone wins if if the if there's a right if a right balance
1: is struck yeah i'm thinking about your your Note about just um, like third-party companies uh, having access to information. So I, I assume a big reason why Meta had built their own uh, at first built their own design tooling and then built their own uh, mechanism to share mocks. Like we have a app called Spec Kit. Uh, then we also have a, a app called Design Kit, which is a plugin that interfaces with Figma for your components. We also have a doc site that we built. I assume all of this is in-house because we don't want services crawling our data.
0: Dude, it is terrifying what, you know, once a Figma plugin is installed and run, once you fire it up in a design, it has access to everything. It can say, oh, I want to export every single frame and send it somewhere. It is, it's... It's a lot. And I think that's the thing that, you know, if a company is very concerned about its IP, these third party tools are just a lovely way to leak your information <laughs> without knowing. And so that's where that's where the procurement process happens, because the average designer, when they installed a Sketch plugin prior to, you know, that was just you could install any plugin you wanted on Sketch and there's no way to block it, to my knowledge, at least. That was a great vector for all sorts of shenanigans. The reason why I think companies, corporations love something like Figma is it adds that layer of permissions and allowing certain plugins to be installed, but not, but not allowing others. That is really beneficial from, a, from just a corporate security standpoint that was missing in the past.
1: Yeah, there might be a good sort of safety PSA there. Like uh, both a Meta and that uh, we've talked to friends at US Bank, the plugins are pretty restrictive. I would say at the bank it's like like way more restrictive than what we have now. Like if we wanted to uh, utilize a plugin, usually for us we uh, put the request in a group. uh, It gets uh, reviewed uh, by usually an engineer that's on call, and then they say yay yeah or nay. And uh, with that, I think there, there's a lot more trust uh, just on the uh, validity of the plugins. But if you're a designer, a solo designer on a smaller team, just be mindful uh, of uh, where and what plugins that you decide to install in Figma.
0: Yeah, here's an example. And it's no shade on the plugin developer, but there was a chat, like an Figma in is a basically like a chat tool within Figma, a chat plugin tool and the way that it worked and it it wasn't hiding it. So it was probably not nefarious at all, but it was routing all the chat through a server, through a personal server. (laughs) Like like what? (laughs) You can store all the chat logs, right? Like, and so you install this thing and you're thinking, Oh, great. I'm, I'm now chatting with my colleagues, but what you're really doing is routing all of your information through a server that you have, you know, that you don't own, that you know belongs to someone else, and you have no idea what they're doing with that data. And so that's that's the that's the dark side of of this whole third-party tooling, especially plugins is 99.9% of the time it's completely altruistic. Sometimes it's not, and that just makes the whole process nerve-wracking,
1: if you will. To so sort of loop back to like our uh, uh, funny moment of talking about uh, open AI, I think the there there was a there was and continues to be a lot of excitement about like uh, LLM and the, these like language models, and I, I think a lot of designers and a lot of companies got really excited about uh, GPT, for example. So they are they are uh, allowing. Their own designers who use ChatGPT. Like in our case, we were like told very aggressively, "Do not use this. Like you can't use this." Like we may be working on something, we may not be working on something. Uh, We ended up have we do have something that that is announced, but uh, they they were very clear about the dangers of utilizing and transmitting data, especially like live code or live concepts. Into uh, wherever <laughs> this stuff is stored, right?
0: Yeah, exa- exactly. And that's the whenever, whenever you are working with a third party service, you are at the whims of what that third party service wants to do or not do, or the dysfunctions that are happening behind the scenes, if you will. Um, and that's just something that I think we all need to be aware of. And and how many strings are you willing to deal with? And as I get older that becomes increasingly less. I'm just less interested in dealing with things like that. And I'd much rather just deal with a little more inconvenience by not having a tool or a little bit more overhead by creating my own. But I like the idea of having no strings attached to something that I don't have control over. That probably speaks all sorts of volumes about me like from a psychological standpoint somewhere someone is assessing me but that's where I'm at and I'd, I'd much rather just make the thing and or deal with not having a, an potentially unessential tool
1: yeah since we're in this like road, road mapping resourcing session at the end of the year right now for some some folks like just sort of like a back of the napkin a calculation if you wanted to build let's say that adoption tool the open source plugin or maybe you wanted to build a doc site or anything that is design system tangential like what what is the amount of headcount that you think we would need to propose and what what duration would you suggest
0: it it depends on how fancy you want to get and if you're if you don't need fancy you can do it really you can do it really fast and in some regards with a third party service you are paying for a lot of fancy features that may not be necessary to you that are used as sales mechanisms because they're trying to bring in more customers. So tool on its own is this beautiful, pure thing. There's no marketing, there's no advertisements, there's no like hype machine. It just is a thing that, that serves a purpose. And that is pretty fast to make. Uh, it's typically the, all the gobbledygook around it, which takes a lot of time. But a docs, a simple docs tool um, is not a huge amount of effort. It's when you start piling on all those features where it gets a little bit more difficult. For, you know, for context, um, Ravi and I took a disparate number of custom tools that were built within Pinterest and conglomerated them all into a singular plugin in about a week. And it was all functioning and running. It, was, it, was it pretty? Absolutely not um where there are lots of you know sharp edges absolutely but was it functioning and was it able to serve its purpose absolutely it was and so but that's all it did it was just it was a very no frills implementation so you know that's the value is if you strip it down to bare metal it's not as big of an effort and and it's just are you willing to deal with that bare metal implementation uh, how much polish do you need for yourself or for the people that you want to get using this thing,
1: yeah, week is very very fast. So, like, the, let's caveat that uh, Robbie was probably at Pinterest for a while. He understood the the code base, yada yada yada. Uh, in, in the past, uh, when I've um, hired contractors to do this sort of work, uh, we've had a runway of either three months or six months, and that's that's been pretty good, uh, especially uh, just to get the get it get it running, uh, proof of concept that that works that works with live artifacts. And then hopefully uh, with buy-in, you, you were able to renew that contractor to continue this work for the next six months. So I, I, I do believe that in, in this world where uh, a lot of us are hiring more contractors to, to help us out, that three to six month window will really get you very, very, very far.
0: It will. It gives you as a designer an opportunity. I'm saying maybe this isn't a good opportunity. Maybe you don't like this, but but to think less like a designer and more like someone that's just trying to ship product to where, you know, you're not fussing, obsessing over the, you know, the 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 letter spacing. You're just like how can we get this damn thing out as quickly as humanly possible and just have it do the bare essentials. Well, I think that is a good hat to put on. It 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 forces a, a pragmatic mindset. It forces you to really evaluate what's what's critical and what's not critical. I would wager to say that a lot of the things that you initially may think are critical are not. And you can really go out the door with something much lighter than you initially expect if you're willing to to
1: take that leap. Yeah, I'm gonna go very far and use like a, a very crazy example. So uh I'll use uh a personal example, and then I'll use your example. So PJ recently created an awesome typeface, uh, Olivia Sands. And uh, I think creating that typeface, you learn about the constraints and the difficulties of uh, this this type of work. So at, at Disney, we, had, um, we weren't creating our own typeface. That was a part of the discussion, but we did have to pay... Uh, a lot, a lot, (laughs) a lot of money uh, to license uh, a custom version of Avenir. And you could only imagine how much this costs based on the size of uh, and the usage of this thing. And there were, I think, instances where uh, as we were launching in different regions, we would have to manipulate that typeface for uh, Asian characters. And then we had to manipulate the typeface for right-to-left characters. And something that would be very easy, like... um, Increasing the letter spacing uh, that these uh, these font packages had created or maybe uh, line height was something that was extremely expensive and would take sometimes months to to get through. So in, in the instance like yourself where you're able to create your own in-house typeface, and I, I think this comes around because Meta has their own typeface that we uh, either, I, either we created it in-house or we paid someone uh, gobs of money to do you can do whatever you want with it. Right. Bingo.
0: Bingo. Exactly. That was one of the reasons why I did it. Like, Oh, we don't, I don't like that G well, you're stuck with it. Sorry. Like too bad. Or like we need, you know, we need to support CJK. Okay. Well, how much money you got? That is the value of being able to make your own thing. Uh, the other reason why I was able to get out the door is I didn't, it only supports the characters that I need. Right, so that goes back to like stripping it down to the bare essentials. I because I am not, I'm never gonna send this out. It's not. I didn't make this for everyone to use. I made it for myself uh, and my daughters, and they don't like. We don't need those extra characters. I don't do it. Like that's why. That's why I was able to get it done so quickly is because I didn't have five bazillion characters that I gotta that I gotta create. I just created the ones that I needed, and it's very much in line with how I'm thinking. When I talk about tools, you don't have to add all those things that you don't need. You just make the thing that you need. Period, and that will dramatically reduce the overhead, uh, just the, the the lift to make it happen. So, uh, I mean, I I am drinking my own Kool Aid here, uh, and one of the reasons why I made my own font is because I just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. I don't like that A, I'll fix it. Like I don't like the spacing between these two letters, I'll fix it. I can do it myself.
1: Yeah, I think that goes towards the philosophy. I think the we we talk a lot about this on the podcast itself. Like uh, instead of having more, we operate with more of a reductive philosophy. Like start off with less and then add a la carte as needed. Like uh, if you need something with an accent, you could just add that on. But you don't need to create all the different characters with all the different demarcations and such
0: that is exactly what happened too, as a matter of fact. So I have, uh, I have resume in my design site and it has the accent and like, ah, shit. Okay. I need to add that character. And I added that character. I just need that. I need that one specific glyph. So I'm going to make that one specific glyph. When I need a, with an accent, I'll make it when I need it. But instead of trying to boil the ocean and make, you know, the next Helvetica noi or however you pronounce that, and support every single language in the world just to never use it. Why the hell would I do that? It doesn't make any sense. If I was making it for other people, then yeah, that would make sense, but I'm not. And so, similar to tooling, just make what you need. And it's probably not as much as you think.
1: Well, we hit about 30, you know, with some like, you know, thinking moments there. Uh, thank you so much, PJ. Uh, I, hopefully, uh, if you make the font available, I could use it on my Framer site uh, sometime.
0: Uh, I will, it's for friends. I'll give it to friends, but it's, there's never going to be a download link. I mean, people, if you open up the web developer, like the web console, you can download the damn font. Uh, but you know, you're going to have to work for it a little bit. And if you want to do it, yeah, well then hate to hate to break it to you. (laughs) You're not going to get the font then.
1: That's too much work. That's good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, PJ. Have a good one.
0: You too, man. See ya.